Hello, and welcome back. You're joining us today for our 14th episode of Opportunity Thrives. I'm your host, Jason Mitchell. And on this show, we are committed to better supporting the needs of today's secondary students through interviews with students, teachers, administrators, technologists, and education influencers. We want to understand what's working in our schools today, what's not, and how we can have a positive and lasting change. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on our show. Please click in the podcast notes to leave us a review to provide your input or send us any questions. You can also reach out to us at info at opportunitythrives.com. We know that education leaders are doing all they can to ensure the safety of students, teachers, and staff for the start of school this fall. And many districts are navigating numerous requests from parents and families to offer virtual programs, especially from those families who would prefer to continue remote learning in this school year, regardless of what the district or state may decide to do for the return to school in the fall. To address these needs, an increasing number of districts are adding their own online schools to provide this option for in-district students. The virtual school model provides options for parents, families, students, and even teachers, all with their own reasons for seeking virtual learning. It also ensures that all students have access to high-quality instruction. There are very clear benefits to providing virtual learning options. One of the benefits that's very important to districts is that it provides students with the option to remain in the district and for families to maintain connection to their school and their communities. Those relationships are really important. A recent USA Today poll found that 60% of parents with at least one child in K-12 education said that they would likely pursue at-home learning options rather than send their child back to school in the fall. 30% said that they were very likely to keep their child at home. A separate poll found that one in five teachers were unlikely to return to reopen the classrooms. Some districts have addressed these concerns in their reopening plans, and others have found their current situations require further action. Even as school is underway, it's not too late to start a new virtual program or expand upon what's already in place. Today, we're going to spend some time with our guests discussing how to launch and integrate a virtual program within your district to serve more students without requiring any additional resources. We'll also cover some of the pitfalls to avoid and strategies for success. I want to welcome our guest, Tim Buckingham, the virtual school mentor at Big Rapids Public School in Big Rapids, Michigan. Tim has been an educator for over 40 years and has a diverse background in education. He has spent many years at the high school level as a teacher and administrator, and over 15 years as an elementary principal. He spent the last seven years at Big Rapids Virtual School as a teacher and a mentor. Tim actually retired five years ago, but he loves his job so much that he just keeps coming back. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you, Jason. Tim, it's wonderful to have you with us today, so let's dive right in. To start, I wanted to learn more about your virtual program. So how are you using virtual school to meet the needs of your student? And maybe if you could share just a little bit of background of some of the students that you serve. That'd be great. Uh, You know, Big Rapids Virtual School uh, came to being about seven years ago here in Big Rapids, Michigan. Uh, The former school was known as New Directions High School, and it was our alternative school for our uh, school district. When we found out about the possibility of starting a virtual school, we did some research and especially our superintendent and the former director of New Directions did a lot of research 
And they found that uh, there were quite a few companies out there that were interested in having a stake in our program. But we found out through that research that we really had, we had the building, we had the staff, and we had the technology that we could start our own program, which turned out to be a, a really good thing. There are many, many big companies out there that that wouldn't mind taking a, a, a piece of your pie, as we call it, with uh, starting a virtual program. Well, we decided to start our own. And which which has provided quite a bit of funding for our school district. We started seven years ago. In fact, we have now been the big uh, money maker for our district because we do have a very low cost overhead. And we've ended up with uh, being able to count over 100 students every year into that, into our general fund uh, fund account. So, that's been pretty amazing for our district. Of course, that's not the reason that we do what we do. We love working with our kids. Uh, I can't, uh, my, my, the passion that we have here for our school with our staff, I can't, I can't even begin to emphasize that because we really want our kids to be successful. We want to help them graduate and we want to help them in the next step after graduation to, uh, to become better and more successful. We serve the needs of a lot of different students. Many people ask me, you know, what, what kind of students do you have at this virtual school? And uh, I can tell you, we have just about every kind of student you'd ever imagine. We have students that have struggled. We've had students that have been successful. We've had students that have had emotional problems. We've had uh, students that had have had physical problems. We have had social economic situations. We've had uh, kids that uh, have had what I call school phobia, where they don't like being around other kids. So we take about every student that uh, you can imagine, and we try to help change their lives for the better. In the seven years I've been here, we've graduated over 150 kids which I just, I think is pretty, pretty remarkable, Jason. Thanks for sharing the, the background on your students. And more importantly, thanks for sharing your enthusiasm and your commitment to them. Tell us a little bit about their, the, the parents in the community. Has your district conducted any types of, of surveys with students and parents uh, throughout your community? And if so, what were the findings of those surveys? Are they, are they any different from what I cited earlier? That's a great question, Jason, because we actually do a survey through our school every year to the parents and not necessarily to the community, but with uh, the situation right now with the coronavirus, we did do a, a district-wide survey about online learning. And, and, you know, it's really interesting because there's the answers are all over the board on what parents want, whether they're open to it or not. I mean, we have some some parents that are totally against online learning. My student needs to be in school and, and that kind of thing. And then we also have the ones where I'm not going to send my child to school and, you know, they're going to be doing online. So the state of in the state of Michigan, we've had to come up with three separate plans for doing the opening of school this year. 
the parent survey showed that 61% of the parents would be open to having a online presentation. And as a result, our district has decided to go with no matter no matter where the virus is at, we have a in, in our state we have phases, and th- that will really determine in the end how we open school. But we have about sixty one percent that have said they'd be willing to start online no matter what. That being said, those numbers in the in the the most recent survey have shown that if the school is going to open, if the the school district is going to open they would probably be more likely to send their students to the building. We have about at this time, we just had an administrators meeting yesterday. We have about 50 students at Big Rapids High School. That's our regular high school. I use that. You didn't see this, but I use that in quotation marks because that's the the traditional brick and mortar building. And we have about 50 kids that have already said, uh, that have already sent back that feedback. The parents have sent back that their student is going to start the year online. And those those numbers are very similar in our middle middle school. So we're going to have between our sixth through 12th grades, we're going to have about 100 more students that are going to be working online. Additionally, we have the, the the hundred or so, and actually, we—I mentioned earlier—we have about a hundred students each year. Not this year. We are—I actually have been—I uh, don't work during the summers most of the time, but I've had many, and I can't even tell you how many meetings I've had through Zoom or through online phone, uh, online conversations or phone conversations about enrolling their students in our building because either A, the student doesn't feel comfortable going back to the building, or B, the parent doesn't feel comfortable doing that. So, you know, our parents, we have a very um, educationally positive community. We are the home, Big Rapids is the home of Ferris State University, home of the Bulldogs. And uh, so we we have a good educational background. And, and I, I truly believe that our parents and our community trust Big Rapids Public Schools to do what's best, what's right for their students. That being said, we have tried to give them a variety of options for upcoming, uh, you know, the upcoming school year this fall. It's so great that you guys can respond so quickly and nimbly to parent feedback on those surveys. Have the have those surveys impacted your virtual program since the inception of this pandemic? You you mentioned the increase in number of students. What other ways has that changed moving forward? Well, you know, um, another really good question, and and it's it's a little bit hard to answer from from the virtual school standpoint because we have the high school, Big Rabbits High School, is going to have its own online program that will be. I mentioned the fifty students, that, and they're going to be separate because um, we're going to try to keep our programs separated because we have some. Uh, without getting into too many details, we have some issues with the Michigan High School Athletic Association that our students, uh, unfortunately for the students that want to play sports, they can't play sports. So so we're going to keep that division, online learning at the high school, separate from the virtual school. 
One of the big ways it's going to affect us, though, uh, quite frankly, is that uh, our staff is going to be training the uh, high school and the middle school teachers as to how to work with the Apex software program. Uh, That's going to be a huge thing for us in the next uh, month or so. And if we were to end up starting 100% online, it's really going to be an interesting start for us. I think more than anything, that's been the thing that's going to affect us. On March 13th, our, our governor shut down our schools. And, you know, she said that, that, that no students are going to be allowed in school. Well, for most virtual schools, that, that wouldn't have changed anything. And for us, it, it did change, but just a little bit, Jason. We have a very unique program. Our program does have an attendance requirement normally pre-COVID. We have a requirement that says when a student needs to take a test, they need to come into the building. Most virtual schools do not have that component. And, and, and just a little background on that that I think is pretty cool. We want to have our students in the building because we want to build relationships. That's probably the, the toughest thing to do in the, in the virtual world, but probably one of the biggest things that we feel very strongly about. Our staff loves kids. We love being around kids. We do some really neat things in building to, to make the kids feel like they're part of a school. I think, you know, and I'm, and I'm, will never bash any other, other schools, but I think that's a, a thing that some virtual schools, um, honestly lack in. They don't have the ties that we have. We have corn cob Fridays in the fall when, uh, Mrs. Carlson's, uh, uh, corn crop comes in and we boil the corn <laughs> right outside and uh, we have we have games. Uh, we take uh, the kids on reward trips at the end of each trimester, uh, trying to get them to be a part of our building and to have, uh, you know, that that tie in where uh, they know we care about them. And I, I, I truly believe that's a lot harder to do in a totally virtual program. So go back to March 13th when we couldn't do that, we had a little bit of learning to do because we had to go 100% virtual. And it was a little bit of a learning curve for us. That first month, we were learning how to not see the kids, quite frankly. You know, it, it, it sounds kind of interesting, weird, but uh, we missed that. We missed the face-to-face. Kids don't only have to be here to take the test. They can. They have the option of coming in from eight to three every day, just like going to a regular school. Because we offer face-to-face help, we offer a quiet environment. You know, one of the biggest challenges with uh, virtual learning is the distractions that go on. Uh, uh, if if you were able to see me right now, I, I I usually when I do our enrollment meetings, I I have both my phones here. I have two different screens. I have all these interruptions, and that's what kids face at home as a virtual learner. So we have a lot of kids that come in and uh, you know spend time with us so that they can focus, and uh, I think that really makes a difference. So once again, March 13th, we lost that. We learned that first month that we really needed the kids to take their tests because it didn't look like we were going to get back to school. So we came up with a plan as to how they would take their tests at home. 
And to be quite frank with you, we found that they were Googling answers when they had tests and they were cheating. Mm. I, I, we <laughs> never like to use that C word, but, and so we had to troubleshoot that. We had to figure out how we could monitor that better. We came up with a plan and I'm telling you what, Jason, our kids roared the last two and a half months or so of the school year. We, as a matter of fact, in seven years of schooling, we had never had a more successful trimester of of school than we did last spring. In fact, uh, the school year, we had more classes passed. That's kind of how we gauge our progress here is by classes passed on the in the Apex world. And uh, we had f- over 500 classes passed last year. And as a result, we graduated 22 kids. So in our world, not a whole lot of changes would need to happen if the state were to tell us you're 100% virtual. We have the plan in place from last spring that was very successful. Do we have tweaks? Absolutely. Are we willing to learn? More than absolutely. We have learned so much in our, our seven years. You know, before we, we started recording, we were talking about learning from uh, your mistakes. And wow, <laughs> we, uh, I, 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 we have learned a lot. And, and Apex has helped us learn a lot too. You folks have, have really done a good job of uh, of supporting us and, and making sure that we were, were doing good things for kids. So I hope I answered your question. That was lengthy, but uh, you know, and once again, that that the passion of being here and being able to help yeah. kids is 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 what I love about my. I call it a job, but like I said, you know, you said in my in my bio, I retired five years ago, and and here I am in the middle of the summer, uh, you know, talking <laughs> with you folks. I just I, right. I love what we do here. Yep, I'm right there with you. Well, those those results that you shared. That's surprising. That's definitely different from, from what a lot of districts experienced in March. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. So I think that that makes you all an expert in taking your, your virtual program completely virtual. So as a veteran virtual learning program leader and an expert in it, um, what would you recommend that other districts consider if they're just getting their virtual learning program off the ground? What do they need to get right in order to, to succeed? You know, I think the first thing, and, and I've mentioned this a couple times, but uh, the first thing is find people that enjoy the virtual alternative type of students. Most virtual schools tend to be, at least in the state of Michigan, tend to be alternative schools for the 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 school district. And I can tell you 100% that that is the best part of our program is our staff. We have folks that have been uh, doing the, 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 the virtual slash alternative thing for, uh, you know, over 10 years. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm like third in line at, at, at seven years of, of doing this. Um, I actually, before I even started teaching at our high school level, I did some adult education, but this, this student is different. There are a lot of different, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of different reasons why students come to the, the virtual learning platform, but you got to have a love for this kind of student. And you got to be, tr- you, you got to be uh, pretty slick at trying to build a relationship through the virtual world. As I mentioned, we, we have a little bit of a benefit because normally we have the kids in our building, but I would say that's probably the 
biggest thing that I would encourage someone starting out a virtual program is find a staff that's really interested in this. My wife would tell you that, you know, the, the virtual school is a lot more than eight to three. I do set some boundaries. I'm not a good boundary setter, Jason, but I set some boundaries that because I am almost 60 years old, I, I try to go to bed by nine o'clock every night and I don't get up until six. So I tell the kids, if you have questions between nine and six or you have something needing to be done, you know, you need to uh, you need to send me a message. I'll answer it first thing in the morning. But but y- you do need to set some parameters on, you know, when and when you want to be involved in their learning and when you need some time to to recharge the batteries. Uh, so so finding those people that will do that is important. Um, definitely finding the right product. As you know, uh, you know, Big Rapids Virtual School started out with Apex. We took a year off of Apex. And uh, once again, that was that uh, that learning from our mistakes. And we came right back. We were ready to come back to, to Apex after a trimester because of the, the service and the and just the program in general. So, so that's really important. I think you need to find a program that, that, that works. You know, of course, you know how I feel about Apex, but uh, that, that is a huge thing. And then I would say the third component is the parent component. Parents are important for sure. They need to, to be on board this learning. I, I do say that when I meet with a parent and a student, I, I always tell the parent that their their input is important. But in the end, uh, they do take a backseat to the student, Jason, that that student has got to make the commitment because a lot of folks, when they walk in our door, think, oh, this is going to be really easy. I use these words. Uh, virtual school is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Go back to the distractions. Oh, my gosh. There are so many distractions in the students' lives these days. And and now, of course, you you throw the virus in there and it's even more. But in in their worlds, there, there, there are so many things that they can choose to do. We need them to be responsible. We need them to be disciplined. And the more we can get that support of that parent, and this is where that parent comes in, the more we can get that support from them to help and to see that they're on track, the better chance we have at helping that student become successful. So those things, those are the things that, that really come to my mind as ter- in terms of those are the important things to in, in starting out a virtual program. And I guess I'm going to put one side note on there. We have an amazing tech director. In fact, he is the guru of our area and all the other districts go to him for ideas and things like that. And without the support of our tech director, Joe Bowman, we would struggle. I mean, he is right on top of things and you got to have the technology and you got to have the knowledge. So so those things are are really important in starting out a program. Hmm. Well, you, I think you illuminated some great things to, when, to think about when it comes to getting things right. I want to shift gears a little bit because we, we had talked about learning from our mistakes. So this is the time to share your insights from that. What were the big hurdles that you faced throughout your years of running these programs? And how do you suggest other districts both anticipate and navigate those challenges? Lots of challenges, especially, quite frankly, on a selfish basis, on my end, I think the when, when I came on board, we were a staff of three, 
And the two ladies that had already been here had a great knowledge, not only of alternative ed kids, but they had been using the Apex program for a few years before I got here. And, and here comes this, this old guy from the last, you know, 15, 17 years being an elementary principal coming back to work at the high school level. You, you know, I, I had to, I had to learn a lot about dealing with high school kids, but then you need to, I needed to learn about virtual education and the challenges of, of it are, are, are immense. Uh, you know, I, I would, I would seek out other folks that had been virtual educators or virtual education leaders to say, I, I'd ask questions like, so how do you know if the students doing some work at home, how do you know that they're doing the work and not somebody else? And uh, once again, a, a, another feather in the cap for, for Apex is you look at the reports, you, you, you see what they're doing, you see how much time they're logging in for, you know, Apex uh, in, in, in the lesson, uh, you know, they, they work on the lesson for three minutes and then it takes them a half an hour to do the quiz. Well, wait a minute, you know, something's fishy. Um, <laughs> so, so, so that was a big challenge early on for, for, for myself to find out exactly what, you know, the program was telling us and knowing where to find that. Also knowing, you know, once again, if the kids were actually doing the work, that that's just a big, that's a big challenge. And, and that goes back to the, the, one of the biggest words is the, the trust word. You know, we trust our kids to do the work. And if they're not, if we don't think they are, then we have, we normally have face-to-face conversations, but we had to have some Zoom meetings with parents and, and sit down, you know, and, and meet with them and do the face-to-face over the computer and say, and show them the reports and go, oh boy, you know, and then, and then the parent could, could help support us on that. And, uh, and, and that, that was, that was pretty successful. You know, the buy-in, uh, is another major challenge that we had to had to face getting people to buy into our program. I, a, a real quick story: one of my former teachers. I grew up here in Big Rapids, and I was a student that I started <laughs> kindergarten all the way through. And uh, I had one of my former seventh grade teachers stop by my first week on the job and said, "He came in and he said, what are you doing here and working with these kids? These kids are the da-da-da. and I went, whoa.'" Um, in fact, my sister-in-law did the same thing. And I just went, wait a minute, guys, I am here as an educator. I am here because I love kids. And now these are my kids, you know, don't say that about those kids. I think people have some false ideas about why kids are either in alternate alternative education or virtual education. And one of the best parts about our, our, our program is during graduation, which is coming up, actually, we put our graduation off until August 21st this year is when we read their stories. Uh, we, we talk about, we have them write in their own words as the name of the, the section of the graduation program. And they, uh, they talk about how they got to graduate from high school. And there's not a dry eye in the house. You know, some of these kids have been homeless. They've been in charge of their siblings, uh, seven, eight different high schools. And, you know, that's, that's another huge challenge in itself. But I will say this, the largest, the biggest uh, challenge that we have is motivating these kids. If they don't have a reason to get a high school diploma, it makes our job really hard. So 
that's part of my, that's the main part of my job now in my, my, my last few years here has been as the mentor. I sit down with the kids. What do you want to be? What do you want to do with your life? If you, what do you love to do? Because I, I feel it's really important that if we can find what a student loves to do and steer them that way, they have a much better chance of graduating from high school, showing showing them how important it is to get that high school education. And then we help them find that path to, uh, we have, a, we have a, a former graduate that's a YouTuber. He has his own YouTube channel and he makes way more money than any of us. And that's so cool. But when he came in and told me about that, that that was his goal, I could have easily said, well, you know, Aaron, that's, that's not going to happen, but I didn't. And, uh, I encouraged that and Shazam, he's, uh, he's very, uh, he's very successful now. So those are some challenges. Definitely there are more, but I think those are the ones that come to the forefront in my mind. Yeah, that's great. I love to hear that story about your successful student as well. I mean, gosh, don't we wish that for all of our kids? Uh, Absolutely. Um, you, you did talk a little bit about the parents. I want to pick up on that because after the school closures in March, some of the parents had a negative view of virtual learning. How can districts how can districts make sure that the virtual program that districts are offering address parents' concerns and that the programs have integrity, that they will prepare their child for college or career, and that they're a viable option? So, so interesting that you asked this question because I'm also – one of our uh, Facebook page moderators uh, for Big Rapids Public Schools, and we've uh, we've been the last couple weeks we've been publishing on Facebook, and and also we send out these out in emails, but we've been sending out our plans, you know, in in steps. And oh my goodness, Jason, the feedback we're getting. Uh, I mentioned earlier, it's it's all across the board from the parents, you know that. Well, my student can't wear a wear a mask, and they have these challenges or these challenges, and they can't do. They're not going to be able to. Da, da. And and then we have some that you know are are saying, well, you know, my my student's not my student's not going to be in school. They're going to do online, you know, which is fine. So so you do have we have particularly in in our area, and I'm I I don't know if this is all over, but we have a very across the board variance of of parents and and how they feel. I think the best thing that we can do is is talk to them as as the the one of the moderators on that. I I always try to be a good listener on that on that page to uh you know try to reassure the parents and in in being honest with them. Folks, we don't know. We, none of us know. In fact, we could we could have plan A ready to go and have that pulled from uh, out from under us, um, you know, the week before school goes. Mm-hmm. But we still have other plans. We have a three-prong plan, you know, just as every school in the state of Michigan needs to have. And we feel pretty secure. I guess to, to, to answer this question, as an educator of 40 years, uh, from coach to teacher to administrator to teacher mentor at the virtual school, and probably anyone in life that's had a leadership role, you can never please 100% of the people all the time. But I think 
Um, some of my former students, uh, I was the assistant principal at the high school for many years. And uh, it's, it's interesting as the assistant principal, you're in charge of discipline and attendance, two of the, <laughs> the glamour jobs, <laughs> just kidding. But it's interesting now that, that I get, I get student feedback from those kids 20 years ago that, that will say, you know, Mr. B, you had a rotten job and it was, it was an awful thing that you had to do, but you did it in a nice way. You always listened to me, even when you had to kick me out of school. So, so I guess my point there is as long as you listen and as long as you do the right thing, Jason, if we think it's the right thing, then I, I, I can't, and you know, I can't please everyone, but as long as we're doing what we think is right and the best thing for our kids, which I know we do, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I can, I can go to sleep. Uh, so absolutely. That's great. Well, it, it's just by the way you talk, you can hear the commitment to your, to your students. All right. So we're going to draw from your, your vast expertise in this and your, your experience over time in light of the current environment. How do you think that virtual schools are going to evolve now and into the future? So thinking through how this pandemic has impacted that. Do you think that we'll see long-term impacts on virtual schooling as a result of this? Absolutely. In fact, I'm glad you asked this question because let's go back. Let's do that rewind seven years ago when we first started our program. We had the choice of, you know, starting our own program, starting a program that involved uh, one of those bigger, bigger virtual learning programs or not doing a program at all. And I'm going to tell you that if we wouldn't have started, if we would have chose plan uh, C of not starting a program at all, uh, where would we be now? I mean, uh, virtual learning, whether anybody likes it or not, whether anybody thinks it's a good idea or not, it is happening. And I truly encourage districts to do the research, do the research, find the schools that are successful and pick their brains. Um, as you can tell, I love talking about our program. People that are successful with this, which I, I, I'm a believer that we're successful, they love to talk about it. And that's what, that's what I've, I've done for, for seven years. I'm never afraid to pick others' brains about Hey, what? How do you do this? What do you do when this happens? And and that kind of thing. I'm 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 just a believer in that. And I think virtual learning is going to explode. I know not. It's not for everybody. I tell everybody that in our enrollment meetings, parents and kids, virtual school is not for everybody. But if you have the motivation and you have responsibility, we can help you at Big Rapids Virtual School. And I think that 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 would apply to any virtual school that is committed for the success of their students. But I, I don't think I can overemphasize the future for virtual learning. It is going to happen. And if you don't get on board, I think you're missing out on a, on a huge impactful thing for the students of your district. Well, those are great parting words. <laughs> and I think you're exactly right. Tim, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I think your your perspective has just been so incredibly valuable, and especially to all of us as we're navigating this new way of learning. 
it has certainly been beneficial to speak with an expert who has experience and expertise in doing this as long as as you have. And not only that, doing it effectively and doing it well. I am certain that your advice and your guidance will benefit our many listeners who are making their virtual school plans today. Tim, thank you for your time today. It's been great, Jason. And if anyone wants to reach me, please feel free to uh, send me an email. I I love talking about virtual learning, and I just thank you guys for letting me be a part of this podcast. Well, it is our privilege and our pleasure to to work with you and to partner with you. If you all are enjoying our podcast, we'd love it if you take just a minute of your time and share your feedback on our show by providing a review on either Spotify or iTunes or whatever platform you listen to your podcast on. And please reach out to us with questions or comments at info at opportunitythrives.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we will see you next time.